welcome to the latest episode of Public Power Now. I'm Paul Schimpoli, News Director at APPA. Joining us for this episode is Daryl Wenzel, CEO and General Manager for Iowa Public Power Utility, Waverly Utilities. Daryl, thanks for joining us today. Hey, thanks for the invite, Paul. I appreciate it. Sure thing. Um, so, Daryl, um, kind of just to get things started, and I, I've been trying to do this more with, with public power officials that, that I interviewed, kind of just to ease into the conversation. We'd love to hear from you in terms of how you how you uh, got your start in, in public power and kind of maybe outline your career overall in public power. Um, certainly. Yeah. You know, initially, I spent about 16 years in the telecommunications arena. Then I got on with a consulting firm that did feasibility studies for cities or municipals on building uh, telecommunication infrastructures for the future. So after a couple of years with the consulting firm, I joined a small municipal in Iowa, Independence Light Power, uh, and we built a hybrid fiber coax system in Independence to serve their telecommunication needs that weren't being served by the incumbents. In 2003, I had an opportunity to become the general manager over both the electric utility and the telecommunication utility there in Independence. I really enjoyed the municipal world, got involved at the local Iowa Association of Municipal Utilities. I was actually president of the association in 2011. I joined on with Waverly Utilities as a CEO in 2014 and was instrumental in getting a fiber to the home system built here in Waverly. We now provide uh, multiple services over that fiber, including um, video, internet, and telephone. So in 2018, I was elected to the APPA board to serve the Midwest states. And that's kind of a quick rundown on the history and how I got into municipal utilities. So kind of just uh, turning our our attention to uh, things that are going on at the utility these days, um, I understand that Waverly Utilities recently completed a new strategic plan. So could you talk about um, the plan for our listeners and the additional details you can provide? You bet. Uh, every five years or so, we, we try and build a strategic plan, uh, finish up the prior five years and look forward to the next five. And, and our newest plan from 2022 through 2026, uh, we actually ended up with six pillars or legs uh, of the plan. And the first leg is reliability and safety. Those are very, very important. Um, And we also share that through the APPA. And part of our goals are to reach the APPA RP3 uh, diamond status. I think we've been the last couple of times, and it's our goal to maintain that diamond status. So reliability is very, very important. Um, The other is the APPA safety award is our goal to hit that um, and earn that safety award every year. And we have some pretty, I think, innovative ways of how we've reached that here in Waverly. Another leg is expanding renewables. I think any uh, CEO or GM in the municipal world knows that under the current uh, political pressures or the reality of life is that renewables have to become a larger mix um, in our generation portfolio. So part of our strategic plan includes expanding currently what we have. And, and Waverly has been kind of a trendsetter. I go back to Glenn Cannon's time here in Waverly that uh, he put in the first um, wind generator for municipal in the state of Iowa. So we currently have three of those uh, and we want looking to do more. We have a small hydro, we have a very small solar, and we are on the the cusp of uh, looking at a four megawatt solar addition to our renewables. 
The third leg is our workforce. I think, uh, again, if you're in a management position, I think under the current conditions that exist with the great resignation, uh, you know, keeping your employees, you know, how can we adjust to having employees work from home, the ones that can? How do we structure that? Make sure it's uh, fair and equitable to all. Another leg would be growth or economic development opportunities. We think it's very important for a municipal utility to continue on with the legacy of providing that economic development opportunities within the community, especially here in Iowa, where we have a, a, divine, a defined service territory. Um, the service territory lines were drawn in 1976, and you know, don't cross that line. So we need to look at growth inside our service territories and be a part of that growth. The fifth leg is exceptional customer service. Um, we think it's very important to stay in touch with, with our customers. And we, we do have a Twitter feed and we do have Facebook and we utilize those as well, as well as a, a quarterly newsletter to stay in touch with the customers. I think it's very, very important that, that your member owners or customer owners in your community know exactly what you're working on, what, what the future outlay is. And in fact, in this strategic plan, I think for the first time in our history, we actually brought consumers in to ask them their opinions on where you think your utility should be headed for the next five years. So um, we're very happy to do that. Very happy with those outcome of those focus groups of our customers. And the final and sixth leg, um, again, it's uh, responsible financial management. And I think uh, everybody in management knows how tough it is to balance uh, exceptional exceptional service and keep your rates uh, extremely low or lower than most people think they should be. So there's always a, a balancing act between um, doing everything you want to do and what's financially prudent uh, for your customer. That's kind of a outline of that strategic plan um, heading into the next five years. A lot of good details in that, and I did have one follow-up question, if I could, with respect to workforce development. Now, you noted you noted the the great resignation and 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 how Waverly is is taking steps to to accommodate uh, its workers um, these days. One other question: I'm not sure if this was addressed in in plan. Was any um any comment in terms of um you know recruiting younger workers? Is that kind of an ongoing challenge for you guys? Yes and no. We, we For years, we have had programs with our local schools. So you know, we'll bring in um, grade schools to for field trips to actually go out to these wind turbines um, and, and get them exposed to some of the neat things that, that are happening here. And part of the new strategic plan is to now start bringing in more high school um, age students to look at the different uh, job opportunities that exist right here in the local community. Um, and we see that as being key to let them know that there are engineering jobs and accounting jobs and you know customer service um, type jobs available right here in town. Um, and so that, that's kind of a new twist on what we've done with students in the past. And we look forward to bringing in high school students in the next five years and exposing them to, to those opportunities. Great. Um, and just switching gears here, um, Waverly, as you know, was recently was awarded a uh, $1.5 million broad, broadband grant 
Um, could you talk about how those funds will be deployed? Yes. Yeah, so when we built our fiber to the home infrastructure and we started uh, operations in July of 2016, it was our goal to have the entire service territory built out within five years. And with our service territory, we extend out into the country about seven miles. So we, we have a pretty expansive service territory. And we were actually able to complete that, um, get fiber to every customer within four years. So on the outskirts of our service territory in those rural areas, um, we, we account for about 150 potential customers that wanted our fiber, um, but it was just too costly to, to extend that um, and ever get a return on your investment. So when these broadband grant opportunity came up, um, we applied for that. We got the $1.5 million grant awarded to us. And what that does is it applies 60% uh, basically of every customer connection. Um, it helps us get there and get to that, uh, that payback. So, for example, you know, we normally spend between four and five grand to get to that customer, get them connected. Um, in these rural areas, it can be $11,000, $12,000 to get to that customer or even higher. So this is a way we can reach another 150 people with our, our fiber optics. And, you know, most of them have no service whatsoever than maybe perhaps a cell phone. So uh, the demand is there. The broadband grant will certainly help uh, make financial sense for us to extend the materials and labor and time to get those folks on our fiber optic system. I'll circle back to, to the remarks you made about um, strategic plan one of which relates to safety and um, Waverly Utilities has had just over 1,200 days without a lost time accident, which is obviously very impressive. So could you explain uh, for our listeners uh, or elaborate on the utilities employee-driven safety culture? Um, absolutely, Paul. Thanks. Great question. Um, when I arrived here in, in February of 2014, I think the next day we had a lost time accident. So I got thrust right into our safety culture that existed. And what I found was that, you know, accountability really wasn't there um, and that it need, things needed to change. And I had implemented this policy where it should really be the employees that drive safety. It's, you know, it, it's their lives. It's um, their livelihoods. And management can't just sit at the top and, and scream down at employees and say, you be safe. It just doesn't work that way. So um, I huddled the troops together and I said, look, we really need the employees to drive a safe environment. And what I mean by that is um, the employees tell management, what do you need to be safe? Um, you know, if there's you've heard of the open door policy. Well, when it comes to safety, it is absolutely open. You can walk right in and say, we have a safety issue and we will take immediate action to correct any safety issue that exists. Um, I think, you know, my eight years here, it's happened one time and we took immediate action to get some safety rails put up. So um, I've turned this thing around where the, the employees, uh, we have a safety committee. They meet uh, at a minimum of once a month. If any type of accident does occur, the safety committee and the management team, uh, we, we walk through the entire incident 
and we look for where protocols followed. You know, is there something we need to change in our policies? Um, you know, and if somebody just violated a policy, then there there is um, a disciplinary action, um, and it, ha- it holds the employees accountable. But going back to you know the employees drive it. Um, you know, they're out there working in it every day. Um, they know, and you know, we've had some other feedback where. They needed um, newer safety kits than, you know, once every three to five years, they might get an updated kit, you know. So we went to a more, we went to an annual safety kit. They're smaller, uh, they fit in every vehicle. Um, so the employees brought that back to management and said, this is what we need. So um, we do have an, a management employee that, that sits in with them, but it doesn't direct the safety committee. The safety committee they they run it, um, and they have the the full support of of myself and the rest of the management team. And the results have been we've taken worker comp uh, rating of one point one six when I got here, and we keep reducing that. And uh, last year we got it down to point seven seven, and I didn't know if we could go any lower, but uh, the most recent year it dropped to point seven two. So significant reduction in our worker comp um, premium insurance. And it just pays to have this type of uh, safety. And one thing I express to the employees and, and every new employee that comes in to our organization is that, you know, safety is in their hands and the safety of themselves and the safety of the employee on either side of them. They've got to be um, a strong enough person to stand up and say, maybe we're not doing this safely. Let's take another look. So I encourage all of my employees to take that attitude. And I think it's, I think it's paying off. Yeah, it definitely sounds like it is. And I think that's, you know, as you said, a great, great approach in terms of engaging with the workers on a regular basis. Um, so, it, and, and the other question I had for you, getting back to the strategic plan and, and the idea of uh, or the pillar of expanding renewables, you'd mentioned um, work on a four megawatt solar array. Can you um, provide additional details on that project? Sure. And, and we've worked with our joint action agency, um, MEAN. Municipal Energy Agency of Nebraska. So they stretch across four four states, Colorado, Wyoming, Nebraska, and Iowa. And, um, you know, with, with the environment that's out there and the need for more renewables, um, working through mean, every system can add 5% of their base load in renewables. So with this new f- um, ability to add renewables, uh, there were 10 systems that uh, agreed to get together and have mean do an RFP so that we could get bulk size uh, to see if we could find a solar vendor that might place solar, you know, in different states, different cities, but at a larger scale. And those bids came back um, and probably some of the lowest pricing I've seen on solar. So we're excited about that. And on top of that, I think there was about another 10 to 15 mean members that said at that price, we went in. So I think it's good for the vendor um, that that more communities want to participate. Um, they're, you know, they're, they're going to put out more solar arrays, uh, a good price. And I think doing it in the bulk like that benefited everybody uh, in, in the mean community. So um, now that we've got those RFPs back, we are now working on contracts uh, with the vendor. And in Waverly's case, um, we are looking for real estate. Uh, we'll need about 20 acres of land to put four megawatts of, of solar. So uh, we've got two tracks that we're working on here. 
uh, working on finalizing an agreement with the vendor and we're working on uh, finding some land and getting a real estate um, transaction completed to get that put in. We hope to have it uh, all done and, and ready to start construction either at the end of this year or early of 2023. And so with that bulk, bulk uh, procurement approach and, and the successing that, would you anticipate that that would be a model that you that would be used again for similar procurements? I would think it would probably be a model for uh, other joint action agencies uh, uh, to follow. I agree. And um, you know, as you know, um, just another quick follow up question. Increasingly, solar projects are being paired, paired with storage. Any um, thoughts in terms of, or comment in terms of Waverly looking at storage either as a standalone technology or maybe paired with solar at some point in the future? Yeah, and you know when you belong to a joint action agency, that those kind of things have to be, you know, dealt with at the joint action level. And all sixty-eight members of me, um, what our integrated resource portfolio looks like, and where we're trying to get it to, and of course, you know, we can always talk. We must always talk about what the cost of those batteries are are going to be. And right. um, my my review of battery costs still need to come down before you know smaller utilities can say. You know, that makes sense financially and in our portfolio to back it up. Makes sense. All right. Great. Well, Daryl, thanks so much for this, this great conversation today. I really appreciate it. You have an open invitation uh, to come back and join us as a guest at some point in the future. It sounds like we've, we've got a lot of things we could talk about uh, as a follow-up conversation. So thanks again for taking the time out of your day. You bet. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Paul.